0: And as they exit, you guys can grab a Bible and head to Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs 18. We are continuing in this series in the book of Proverbs, which is all about wisdom. And today we're talking about wisdom and words. This is something Proverbs addresses throughout. I tried to go through and just count all the times that wisdom and our speech and our words is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. I counted around 110 And I'm sure there were more. I didn't count that well, right? There's a lot of verses in the book of Proverbs that talk about our wisdom and our words. So it's really important. It's also important because we all like to talk, right? NPR recently referenced a study that said this. The average person speaks about 16,000 words a day. That's 5.8 million words a year. Right? That varies a little bit, but that's 5.8 million words a year. Like we all speak a lot. We use words all the time, and listen, they affect us. And sometimes it gets messy, like, my little baby, a week old, Tanavi, she can't speak right now. So it's just a kind of a one-way relationship. I can tell her whatever I want, right? And all she can do is just, eh, eh, you know and, and it's cute and great, but once she starts to talk, it's gonna get a little bit more complicated, right? When she grows up, it's gonna get a little bit more complicated, right? Because words and relationships, when those two mesh, sometimes it gets complicated. Sometimes it gets messy. And you've seen this in your own life. You've seen with friendships. Sometimes words can end a friendship. Like sometimes words can bring two friends together. Words, we, we get up in front of people when we celebrate marriage and we make vows. We say words to commit to one another. Like, words are powerful. They impact you as a mother. They impact you as a child. They impact you as friends. They impact us as a church family. Words impact us greatly. And so we want to ask, what does it look like to have wise words? So look with me at the text. Proverbs 18, we'll start in verse 4. It says this, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Listen, words can be profound. That's the first thing we see. Words can be profound. Look at verse 4. They're like deep waters, capable of deep and rich meaning. Words can be profound. I mean, just think about the lines that you know from movies, right? Last of the Mohicans, one of my favorite movies, right? The guy standing under a waterfall, and he says, no matter what occurs, I will find you. We remember that because it sticks with us because words are profound. The movie Braveheart. It's full of these, right? Not every man, or every man dies. Not every man really lives. I love you, always have, right? Freedom. It's it's full of words that are profound, and we watch those movies and we say yeah, like, and we start to picture ourselves saying those words, right? But the reality is, most of us, we won't be under a waterfall. Saying a profound statement to save someone's life. And maybe some of you, I saw you this morning, a twinkle in your eye. Maybe some of you that's coming, but for most of us, it's gonna be in the daily. Like it's gonna be the daily words in our interactions with our family, with our friendships, in our church. It's gonna be the daily words. And they can be profound too, especially in the right context. Like this is our third child. I remember having our first child vividly. And I remember we went in to find out the gender for that one. And we went in, and the ultrasound technician is showing us the little baby on the screen, and she just came out and said it. She said, it's a girl. Those three words changed my life forever. And even in that moment, I began to think through her whole life that was before me, like prom, training bra, boys, and I'm just paralyzed thinking through, her whole life flashed before my eyes, my little baby girl, her whole life. And my wife is is grabbing my wrist, and she's waiting for my response to, it's a girl. And she's like, are you okay? (laughs) And I just said, I don't know, I think I need to work out more. (laughs) Like, maybe I need to hit the weights. And of course, my wife talked me down. She said, you know that's far down the road. Like, this is a long road. We have multiple steps before we get there. And we just had our third child. She's a girl. And so we get to go down that long road again. But listen, those three words, it's a girl. Profound. And you know this in your life, that words can be profound. Maybe somebody said something to you when you were in grade school, and you remember it today because it impacted you greatly. Maybe somebody said something to wound you, and you walk with that. Today that it affects your identity and security in life. Words can be profound. That's the first thing we see. The second thing we see, verses 6 and 7, look at those verses, that words have consequences. They can hurt us physically, right? We can get a beating. They can hurt us spiritually. They can be a snare to the soul, that words have consequences. A football player on my favorite team, kind of ashamed about this, but he recently tweeted out a joke about 9-11. Um, and he got a lot of flack for it, right? And he was kind of shocked for some reason that he got a lot of flack for that and was just like retweeting people who were defending him and was saying like, well, you didn't understand the context. Listen, it's Twitter. There is no context, just FYI. So it's, that's the whole point of Twitter, right? And, but he got a lot of flack, and he was surprised. Now, I think he felt bad. He apologized for that. But listen, his words still have left an imprint. Right? There's consequences to our words, and it's easy to look at those outrageous one-liners by celebrities, by politicians, by broadcasters, and criticize them. But how many times do we speak words to win in a conversation for our own selfish desire or to wound someone else in our daily life as we just go about life, 16,000 words a day? How many times do we win and wound with our words, and they affect People, I'm so glad we're going through this series. As we thought about the next series to go through as a church, Proverbs just kept coming to mind because I think we need wisdom and I need wisdom. And so as I've read through this book, it's convicting. It's helpful in my life and my relationships in our church. It impacts me. Yesterday, I was just kind of going through and reading. There's so many verses on words, and this sermon specifically just convicted me. I'm a verbal processor, right? And so I have a lot of opportunities to screw this thing up. It just makes sense for me to talk things out. In fact, I don't understand things until I do. So, with my wife, she'll testify to this. I'll talk her ear off just to get something out an idea for our church, an idea for our family. And I have to get that out in verbal communication before I really understand it. I do this for a living. Right, I get up in front of you every Sunday and I speak lots of words and they're online. All right, so people can go and listen to that and see how I mess something up or said something offensive and that's kind of scary to me. It's convicting for me but most of all it's helpful for me to realize my words have a profound impact for life or for death. And you see that in your life. And the third thing we see is that words can be Deceptive, verse 8. It says the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. This is talking about gossip. Gossip, that it's delicious, that we love to hear it and we love to share it. And we may think it's just chatter, it doesn't hurt anyone, but this says it goes down into the inner parts of us. James 3 says a tongue is like a fire that can set a forest ablaze. You see this with gossip and slander and bickering. You see this in the church world right? There's lots of churches that don't have life in them, but they didn't start that way, right? They didn't start that way. Nobody ever says like, hey, guys, you want to start this church, this dead church, where we don't really worship Jesus or help people? Like, you guys want to be a part of that? No, that's not what happens, right? Churches start, we plant churches that are alive. We start out declaring the gospel, passionately we start out demonstrating the gospel in the community helping other people and everybody's excited so what happens there's a group of people who start to whisper there's a group of people who start to gossip there's a group of people who start to slander and bicker and they say things and they whisper like i don't really like that guy i mean who does he think he is i mean maybe we should do more of this program why don't we have that program yet? does anybody not care about that i mean i don't really like that worship style why did he say that Why does that person get to do this and this person doesn't? And this whispering, this gossip, this bickering, that's what kills churches. And listen, it's often not just that one provocative, loud statement of like, die, church, that breaks the church, right? That's not what happens. Like the guys in Florida, Westboro Baptist, they don't kill a church. I don't know of a church that's died because of them protesting. Right? It's not that one statement, it's a cumulative effect. Because our words stack up because those 16,000 words, those 5.8 million words in a church family, if they are laced with bickering and gossip and slander, they'll kill a culture, they'll kill a church. And you see this in your life. Your words have a cumulative effect. Like friendships are ended because of words. Families are divided and distant because of words. Wars start because of words. Verse 21 says they can bring life or death. They're more powerful than you think. And maybe you think that's an exaggeration, that's Proverbs, that's poetry, that's wisdom literature. It is. But literally, words can bring life or death. Right? We see wars start. People die because of words back and forth. That words are more powerful than you think. And they go one or two ways. They go to life or they go to death. They go to wisdom, or they go to folly. And you can't think, well, that's not that big a deal. I just talk about things, I just express my opinion, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Your words either go to life, or they go to death. They go to wisdom or folly. There's a path that your words are going down. That you're stacking things up. As you talk to your friends, as you talk to your spouse, as you talk to your kids, as you talk to one another in here, that you're stacking things up. And that's either gonna produce life, or it's going to produce, produce death. So what are you producing with your words? You need to ask yourself and be honest. Assess your words. That can be convicting, but that can be helpful to assess, are my words speaking life or death? I think all of us here today would say we want our words to speak life, right? We want our words to speak wisdom. And so what does that look like? We talk about the, uh, the skill of words we talked about at the beginning of the series that in the Old Testament, the word for wisdom is also used to describe skill, like in the arts or in craftsmanship. And so we want to ask, if words are so powerful, what is it like to speak them skillfully? Like, what is it like to say the right message at the right moment with the right motive? And that's what we see. I pulled out a lot of verses on this, and we'll go through some of them. But in summary, what you see is that wise words are the right message at the right motive, moment with the right motive. I'll put it this way, if my wife asks me to take out the trash, and I respond with, I love you, now, is that true? Absolutely. Is that a good message? Is that the right message to tell my wife I love her? Absolutely. I should tell her more, right? But when she asks me to take out the trash, what's the wise word in that moment? What was that? You say, yes, ma'am. Okay, (laughs) yeah, yes, right? The simple word of yes, you asked me to take out the trash, yes, that's the wise word, that's the right message in that moment, and it's not just, yes, I guess, you know, like I'm physically hurting to take out the trash. That's not the right motive, It's, it's saying, yes, I'm on it, I got that. Because the right message at the right moment, with the right motive, makes a big difference. Not just taking out the trash, but in all of our relationships. And we see the right message in Proverbs is truth. Proverbs 24, 26 says this, Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Proverbs 12, the opposite, says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Truth, a good friend tells the truth. They point out you got something right here. You got something in your teeth. You need to to take care of that, right? They speak truth because what does that do? Why is truth so important? You might say, well, the Bible says to speak truth. That's true, but truth is so important that we speak that right message because if we don't, we'll never address reality. Like maybe it's something in our nose that we need to get out that's reality. Maybe it's something bigger in our life. Maybe it's something in our career. We're just going down a path, a career that's not right for us. Our motives are only to make money. We need some people to come alongside us and give us some truth and say, man, I see you chasing money and success. There's nothing wrong with that by itself, but it seems to become an idol in your life. We need people to speak that in our lives so that we can assess that. Is that reality in my life? How do I need to address that in my life? That's why I ask my wife, do I look fat? <laughs> because if she won't tell me, who will? Who will? Right, And she's so nice. She said, no, baby, you look great. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I need you to tell me because I need to hit the gym. I need to go for a run. I need to address reality and respond to it. And that's what truth does. And so we want to have the right message. That right message is truth. You've seen this in your life. Somebody's spoken a hard truth in your life. And maybe at the time you responded with, whoa, man, I mean, who do you think you are? Maybe at the time, you, maybe you didn't say that, but you just walked away like, that was kind of harsh. But if it was somebody who loved you, who spoke truth in your life, the right message, later on, and you addressed that, and you said, you know what, that is true. I have been speaking harshly to other people, and I need to work on that. Or that is true. I seem to be solely focused on my job, and it's in, a, in an unhealthy way. People speak that truth in your life, and long-term, over the course of your life, it makes you better. It helps you see progress, and you take steps to correct that in your life. So we need truth, and some of you are really excited right now because you're thinking of all the different people that you need to speak truth bombs to. Like, you got that truth bullet, and you're just ready to shoot it the minute you get out of this room. Maybe you're writing down names. Like, that person's dumb. That person annoys me. This person talks too much. Listen, it's not just the right message and truth. It's doing it in the right way, right? It's doing it tenderly. And that's what we see in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 15 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That you want to speak truth, but you want to do so in a tender way. We see this with Jesus. That he came full of grace and truth. That we want to speak the truth in love. So if you need to confront someone with a hard truth, that you share your heart. And you do it with a com- confrontation sandwich. Right? You do it with the Oreo, right? Like you, that first layer. You say, hey, man, I love you. I'm for you. I care about you. And then you bring the little inner layer. And you say, but I'm concerned about this in your life. Like I love you. I care about you. But I'm concerned about this. I see this. I see you going down a path toward destruction. And I don't want you to go there. And you begin to bring that hard truth. And then you finish off the Oreo with the last layer. And you say, how can I help? How can I pray for you? How can I bring other people alongside you to pray for you? How can we get you in a, uh, in a class or a book or something else or a scripture to help you? That's the Oreo. It's the confrontation sandwich. You want to speak truth tenderly, full of grace and truth, speaking the truth in love. That's the right message. But there's also the right moment. um, Because there can be the wrong moment. Proverbs 25, 20 says, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. Like somebody ever take off your jacket when it was really cold outside? That stings a little bit, right? So this is when somebody's mourning in your life and maybe it's a funeral, maybe it's after the fact, maybe it's something else that's just kind of sad and hard in their life, and you go to them and you're like, Joy comes in the morning. And that's true, but maybe not at that time. Like maybe at that time, they don't need to hear that. They don't need to hear you quote Bible verses, they don't need to hear you say, just put a smile on it. They just need you to sit with them. That's called the ministry of presence. That sometimes you can say a lot by saying nothing. That sometimes you just being with someone in a difficult moment is better. Because that's the, the wrong moment to say that. And then you wait and you give it time. And at the right moment, you go in with the truth. But sometimes there's a the wrong moment. But there's also that right moment. Proverbs twenty five eleven says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like you know, if somebody has spoken the right message at the right moment to you, it can do wonders. Proverbs 12 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 12 says, Tong- the tongue of a wise person brings healing. We've seen this in our life. I remember when my wife had a miscarriage, and it was a really difficult time in our lives. And I remember some, a lot of people said a lot of things, but the one thing I remember was this one couple, this one friend of ours, who just came alongside us, and all they said was, listen, I know this is hard. Can we just come and babysit and let you go out and process this? That was really all they said. But that was impactful deeply in our lives. It made us think about this. It made us be glad, not because everything was okay, but there were some people around us who spoke the right message at the right moment, and it made us thankful for that. I've seen this recently. There's another church in the valley who's just absolutely ridiculous in their support of our church plan. From day one, they came alongside us, supported us financially. Uh, They supported me personally and just friendship and wise counsel. And last week, Um, they've been a church for 30 years. This was the biggest week they've ever had as a church. They're about to go through a big transition. It's a really good thing, but it was their biggest week as a church. And Thursday, I get a note in the mail from Desert Springs Bible Church. And they just said, hey, we want to let you know that we're praying for you, your family, your third child that's on the way. And I just thought about that. I was like, I don't even know how they know the date, (laughs) right? And it's their biggest week as a church, and they take time to send me a word, a right message at the right moment. We had the baby on Saturday. That was very helpful to hear that somebody was praying for me, that somebody was excited for me to say that at the right moment. That has great impact, and you've seen this in your life. Maybe somebody in this room has come alongside you in a difficult moment, maybe as a new parent, and said, hey, you don't have to figure all this out today. And you were freaking out. But those words of like, oh, yeah, I don't have to figure all this out today. Like, we have a lot of time to figure this out. And that was comforting and truthful and helpful for you in your life. So the words at the right moment can be so helpful. What does this look like? I want to give you some practical steps just to head in this direction. The first one is to listen more and speak less. Proverbs 18 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. Like, they don't try to listen, they don't try to understand, but only in expressing his opinion. So a fool just wants to say what he wants to say and not listen. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. You see this like when you were in grade school and the guy who doesn't talk much, and the girls were like, he's just mysterious. (laughs) Right? So even if you don't have wise words to say, you can appear wise by just not saying anything. And people will think you're mysterious. Words can have power, and when we speak a lot of them, because we're sinful, a lot of times it's folly. And so, as you look at the cumulative passage in Proverbs, you see we should listen more. Like, listening is an art. We should listen more, speak less. The second thing we see is to devote time prayer and counsel to difficult conversations. Proverbs 29, 11, and 20 says this, a fool gives vent, full vent to a spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. Verse 20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So we need to devote time. Listen, oftentimes you're going to speak the wrong word if you do it in the moment. Like if somebody says something to you, if something just happened, and you say, I got to go talk to that guy right now, I'm going to send out that email, I'm going to send out that tweet, I'm going to write that letter right now. Listen, that's how we get into folly. That's how we get into death. Most often, we need to take some time. Like Even if it's not a really difficult conversation, we need to take some time and process, like what am I trying to articulate? What am I really feeling? What is true and what is a lie? What is the enemy speaking in my life? What is God speaking in my life? We need to take some time. We need to pray through that. We need to seek wise counsel for that. Before you send that email, have somebody else look at it. Before you go to that person, ask your spouse. Ask some people that are wise, godly people close to you. Ask them. Say, I'm thinking about approaching it this way. What do you think? Take time. There's wisdom in that. And number three, saturate your heart and mind with things of God. This is where our right motive comes in. It leads us into the source of our words. The source of our words. Proverbs 16, 23 says, The heart of the wise instructs his mouth. Jesus says in Luke 6, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our source of words is the heart. So we have to ask, what is the heart? A lot of us think the heart is emotions, emotions. But the heart is way more than just emotions. It's the control center for all of our life. It's where our mind, our will, our emotions all come together. That your heart, when people talk about that, when you see that in scripture, when we talk about that in sermons, what we're talking about is what you hope in the most, what you love the most, what gives you identity and security in your life. That's the heart. And so if you want to have wise words, we need to saturate our heart in wisdom in the things of God. So what does that look like? Well, first, it's scripture. You want wise words? You need to saturate in God's word. And listen, a lot of us read scripture. I talked about in my life. I've been reading Proverbs. And listen, I could just read that off and check it off a list. Or I can read it, meditate on it, memorize it, allow it to penetrate the depths of my heart, allow it to read me allow myself to put on a lens of what God sees and not just read it and say, oh, I've read scripture for the day, I'm good, but read it and think, how does that impact my friendships? How does that impact my marriage? How does that impact my family? How does that impact this new little baby? How does this impact my life? You don't just read it for other people, you read it for yourself. How does it convict you? How is it helpful for you? Do you read scripture? Do you saturate your words with God's word? Do you read it and internalize it and allow it to penetrate your heart and your mind? Or do you just go through and check it off a list? Man, our source of words, our heart, it needs to be impacted by the word of God. And as that begins to happen, you'll notice in your life that those wise words begin to flow out of you because you voice what you value. You voice what you value. You think about that? If you all you do is invest in sports, right, guilty right here. All you do is invest in sports, that's all you're gonna talk about. All you do is invest in shopping, that's all you're gonna have to talk about. All you do is invest in Facebook, that's all you're gonna have to talk about is gossip. You see this person, you see, oh, you see that picture? That's all you're gonna have to talk about. What you v- value, you're gonna voice. And so as you saturate in God's word, that's going to begin to flow out of you. And so when you're in that difficult conversation, you might not lash out. Maybe you'll speak that truth in a tender way because God's word is saturated in your heart and begins to flow because you voice what you value. So what do you, what do you value in your life? What are you investing in in your life? We need to invest in the scripture. And the second thing is we need to have people that we run with that are wise and godly. Proverbs 13 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. So maybe you're here this morning and you think, I agree that words shouldn't speak death, but mine do. If you're honest, if you look at your life, you look and say, I just don't, I'm not a great communicator. I'm not eloquent. I kind of spout off. I'm just loud. That's just the way I am. You need to get some people around you who know how to speak truth in a tender way Who knew how to have the right message at the right moment with the right motive? And you need to ask them hey, can you help me with my speech? This is tearing me apart. This is tearing my family apart. This is tearing my job, my friendships. I need your help. I'm not sure where to turn. You need to run with some wise, godly people who live this out. Listen, some of you are around people, and your inner core of people, they're fools. And they speak folly into your life. And that's all that you see. And you're thinking, well, yeah, but Tim, I know Jesus. I'm trying to help them. Like, I want to be missional. I want them to know Jesus. And listen, you need to do that. You absolutely need to do that. We need to be integrated into the culture, not separate from it. So I'm not telling you to leave those friends. But maybe those friends who are foolish, who all they do is speak death, maybe they don't need to be your inner core of friends. Like, maybe you need to find a different core, and you still spend time with them, but that's not your source of life. That's not how you learn to communicate, to speak words, right? You have some other people for that who fill you up, so when you go to those people, it doesn't bring you down the same way. So you need some wise, godly people to run with, so who are you running with? Who is that in your life? Who are your friends? Who are uh, the family that you spend time with? Who do you give an ear to? Who do you watch speak? Who do you learn from? You need to be learning from somebody. We speak a lot of words. We need to learn. We need help. We need wise counsel. So the second thing is we need to run with wise, godly people. The third thing, the most important thing, is we need to get more of Jesus. Ultimately, this is where it comes from. This is our source of life. This is how we saturate our heart with God things as we speak to others. Because the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the more your words will reflect Jesus. Listen, Jesus is our example for words. You read the Gospels, you see Jesus' conversations, he never wastes a word, right? He tells them stories, he's tactful, he's impactful, like he speaks hard truth, he doesn't lie. He doesn't try to make people happy. He speaks hard truth in a tender way that meets people where they are. You see that in the Gospels? He talks to the sinner. He talks to the saint. He talks to the skeptic. And he drops truth in each one of those people's lives in the exact way it needs to happen. So we need to read the Gospels and get to know, how did Jesus talk? How did Jesus interact with people with his words? He is our example. But listen, Jesus isn't just our example, Like, this is awesome. In John 1, it says the word became flesh, that Jesus shows us what God is like. Like, he is the word himself. That's why God uses that language in Scripture. Jesus isn't just our example for words. He is the word himself. And so we can see his life. We can see how he carries himself. We can get more of him as a person. The third thing we see is that Jesus is the all-encompassing word, that he's the alpha and the omega. What does that mean? Jesus is the entire dictionary. Jesus, Jesus is the first letter to the last letter. that He encompasses everything. That you want to know what it means to speak wisely? You only need one source. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the alpha and the omega. And then we see that Jesus is the final word. Hebrews 1 says that God spoke many times and in many ways, but in these last days, he has spoken through his Son. Jesus has the last word over sin, over death, over the grave. He has the last word over all the words that you have spoken to wound, to win. That Jesus has the last word. That he lived the life that you could never live, that he died the death in your place for all of your words. And that he rose again in victory over them, conquering them, redeeming them, restoring them. Some of you are convicted today about your words. You're thinking, man, I've screwed this thing up. I've said some things that have wronged people, I've said some things that have wronged my spouse. I haven't said some things that I should have said. I haven't spoken the truth tenderly, I've put on a smiley face, I've deceived people. Some of you are thinking, man, I've gotten wrapped up in gossip. Like, it didn't seem like gossip at the time. It seemed like just the right thing. It seemed like, well, we're just talking. We're just sharing our opinions. But if you're honest, if you look into the depths of your heart, if you look at your motives, you think, man, I've screwed this thing up. I'm wrapped up in gossip and lies. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're convicted of just the daily things in your life that are stacking up. And they're not speaking life. They're speaking death. They're not speaking wisdom, they're speaking folly. Listen, if that's you, Scripture says, Proverbs says, you need to turn, right? I gave you some practical tips, I hope that's helpful for you, but that's not where you start. Like you don't start with words to others, you start with honest words to Jesus. You're asking, where do I start this morning, I've screwed this thing up? You start with honest words to Jesus, Like, you don't just try to do these better things, and maybe your good words will outweigh your bad words. That's not Christianity. That's not what I'm preaching today. That's not what Scripture says. That's not what Jesus is calling you to. Jesus is calling you to say before him, honestly, to use your words and say, Jesus, I am a fool. I am a scoffer. I am a gossip. I am a slanderer. And I need you, the wisdom of God, to transform my heart and then transform my words. Turn to him. Give your life to him. If you don't know him, you can't have wise words. You may say some crafty things. You may say some clever things. But your words will never be saturated with wisdom. Because scripture says Jesus is the wisdom of God. You need to get more of him. Let me pray.